When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Rum Buncher Radio, episode 32. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us again here tonight. Trey Yannity and Marty Leap with you as always. We got a double feature for you this week. Two awesome guests coming on with us. Two we've been really excited about. Uh, we're going to have Michael McHenry tomorrow, one of our regular guests. Tonight, we are joined by Pittsburgh Pirates minor leaguer, Colorado Mesa graduate, Bly Madris. Bly, thank you so much for coming on with us tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I had a great Thanksgiving. Having a great weekend, and uh, looking forward to coming on here. So definitely, well, we really appreciate you taking the time to do so. This off season keeps rolling. Um, you know, content can can get a little thin at times. So having guys like you on is a is a huge help. Um, so let, let's get right into it. We want to kind of start by zooming out, taking a look at your past, how you got into the game of baseball, um, and really your journey to get to the pros. So I guess I want to start by asking, how did it all start, man? When did you really get into the the game of baseball for the first time? Oh man, I started playing people, I guess, like at a really young age, but kind of bounced around like every sport. Then, like, I got into club ball, like, early ages, like around 10, and started doing a lot of traveling with that. Then, it helped kind of have a family all over the place, playing in different tournaments in California, Arizona, all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, club ball was really fun. I think that's when I, I really piqued an interest for it. I was like, wow, like this is kind of like my favorite sport because <laughs> I love playing every sport. I love playing football, basketball, all that stuff, but baseball always kind of like had my heart, you know? Yeah, definitely, man. We were talking to Anthony Alford a couple weeks ago. He was telling us that he, uh, you know, he was a dual sport athlete, played football and baseball for a while. He didn't even want to get drafted. He was telling guys not to draft him just because he wanted to play football. That's, you know, a little bit of a different story for you, though. You, you love the game from an early age. When did you really start, um, you know, becoming elite at baseball, becoming kind of next level, setting yourself apart from, from the other kids you were playing with? Uh, man, I guess, like, I don't know, I was kind of a, a late bloomer in high school, you know. 
like still play like a lot of different sports like I said in high school then one day my coach uh, my head coach uh, my high school team pulled me aside and was like hey boy you know you're kind of good at this right I'm like yeah like it's fun and all but like, I enjoy playing like basketball and stuff he was like well I think you have an opportunity to go play like in college and get a scholarship I was like you're playing with me like, <laughs> like, I, like quit playing like everything's like Baseball's like really cool, really fun. And he's like, "Black, you need to like take baseball full time." I was like, "Okay, fine." So, I so I guess like my junior year of high school, like he got pretty serious to where he got me on a scout ball team uh, in the Las Vegas area. As you know, a lot of big names coming out of Vegas. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah. So like you you hear names like Chris Bryant, Bryce Harper, like Joey Gallo. And like all that stuff, and like Joey's dad, Tony, like was my pitching coach, and like all my life. Wow. And Bill Madlock, I heard Jay, was my pitching coach, all at the same cage. Oh, wow, that's really so, awesome. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy. So, and like we still all have a pretty good relationship to this day. And it's just like, I can't believe that I was around those guys. Like, and they were the ones teaching me the game and all that stuff. And, I, like, in the moment, you're like, oh, man, I got to go to hitting practice. Or, like, I got this lesson I got to go to. Like, like, your parents are spending, like, my parents are spending all this money. I'm like, I don't even realize who I'm training with until I got older, you know? Yeah, that's that's just insane, man. That's, talk about that a little bit more. What was it like being around those guys at all times? You know, what was it like kind of seeing them grow in the game and, and get to that level? How inspiring that, was that for you at, at you know, a young age? Oh, definitely, like, seeing, uh, like, all the big guys around at the Valley, like, uh, you had Chris on the UFD, then you had, uh, like, Bryce going over to College of Southern Nevada when he was, like, 16, 17, which, like, College of Southern Nevada was, like, right across the street from high school, so we would go across the street and watch him play, and, like, that's where I played, like, pretty much majority of my high school baseball games, was at College of Southern Nevada. So we would play after they got done practicing or something like that, and just seeing him walk around the complex, you we were like, "Well, that's like number like future one one pick, you know." So, <laughs> yeah, like, it's just kind of in awe, and to be like so close to where they're at now is like pretty humbling feeling, but also like actually like feel proud, you know. So. Definitely. I mean, you know, I think any any situation where you see the guys around you being successful is a huge help just to motivate you, get you better, raise your level of, of expectation and everything else. Um, but, you know, in high school for you, like you said, it, it, I guess it started to turn the corner that junior year. Did you notice a difference in the way you were starting to train and, and practice and whatnot when your coach told you, hey, you know, you could play this this game at the next level? Yeah, definitely. So we had a, a group of guys. Uh, junior, senior high school where we got into like working out all the time and stuff. So we would go from practice uh, from like two to four or uh, two to five, whatever it was. Then a couple of the seniors were like, hey, boy, like staying hit with us after practice. I was like, all right, let's do it. But then me and my best friend Nick, uh, we would always stay after practice, whether it was hitting uh, different outfit stuff, infield stuff at the time. Then like then just like we found a group that would like help separate us from the others, you know, and like kind of boost everyone's like play on the team yeah. at the time. So, and that's like when I started playing, when I started putting in that extra work, 
uh, I really felt like my power started going up. Or like, yeah, like I said, we would do like extra stuff at night. And we would all go to the gym together at like 8 p.m. after we were done with our homework, dinner with our parents and stuff. That's like when I started getting in the gym when I was junior, senior in high school, I was like, and this stuff actually works. Like, I really like it too. Like, it's something I was passionate about. It's something that my friends love to do. And you are who you surround yourself with. So it was cool having a group of friends who were into that too, who had the same outlook, who had the same dreams as you. It made it easier to go do all those things. So, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And, yeah. it, you know, like you're talking about, that passion is, is the most important part at the end of the day. If you really care about the game and, you know, you get that passion at such a young age, it, it helps you go amazing places like you have, obviously. Um, but, but talk about your recruiting process before, you know, you ever even sniffed the pros. What was that yeah. like, you know, hearing from these colleges and, and that, that process of making that decision? Yeah, so, like, so we were down at the, oh man, what's that tournament down in Arizona? Fall Classic. Yeah. Uh, biggest tournament, like, college recruiting, like, you have pro scouts, every college coach in the country there at the time. Um, it's a weekend down in Arizona where we get to play at all the spring training facilities down there. And I was playing at the Seattle Mariners site. Uh, and my best friend, so, me and my best friend, they went to the same school, both went to Colorado Mesa, right? So, we're playing this game, Nick's on the mound, uh, he's doing really good. And I come up to bat, first at bat, double. Then Nick throws some warnings, I get another AD, triple. Next thing you know, like, we get pulled out of the game because some coaches want to talk to us. I'm like, what? what is going on right now? Like, oh, let me keep playing. Like, he's like, my coach is like, yeah, there's no need for you to play anymore. Like, you're two for two, doing pretty good. No need to show anything else off. You're good. So... Coach Hanks and Coach McKinney from Colorado Mesa, they come up to us, shake our hands, uh, introduce themselves. And, like, we sat and talked, like, mid-game for about two or three innings. And they found out that Nick and I both, like, we're best friends, same high school. And they were like, well, this would be a great package for you guys. And they were, uh, what was that? No, like, that team that they had at the Mesa that year was like, one of the best teams in Mesa history, like, went to the national championship that year, like, all that stuff. I didn't realize, like, where Colorado Mesa was. I didn't know where Grand Junction, Colorado was. Like, I had zero idea. So, like, after the game, they're like, yeah, here's this letter. Love to find out some more information. Plenty of stay in contact. And, and I talked to a couple other JUCOs and stuff like that. Of course, like, College Southern Nevada. Like, didn't, like, surprisingly, they didn't really come in until, like, the last half of my recruiting process. They kind of, like, made me mad because I was right across the street. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, kind of a weird situation. That a lot of the JUCOs, like Coach Heath, um, came in, well, Central Arizona, Western Arizona. Talked about a lot of JUCO schools, you know? So, yeah. yeah. And I was just like, man, these, these college Mexico guys really just, in contact with you. They were texting me every week, um, seeing how I was doing, seeing what days I was playing, uh, got my head coach's info, started calling him all the time. I was like, man, these guys, like, I feel like they care about me, you know? Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's huge in the 
recruiting process is finding a coach, you know, finding an organization or coach that like cares about you and wants to invest in you as much as you want to invest in them, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you're if you're gonna go to school or organization, whatever it might be, and you're gonna give, you know, your effort, your heart and soul of that to them, you wanna feel like they're giving you the same thing back. Absolutely. You know, you you're not gonna like like you said earlier with you know, you have a school right across the street that might wait to offer you. Yeah, you're going to feel a little spurned by that because you would think if there's any school who knows what you're bringing to the table, what you have to offer, it'd be a school like that. Yeah. And, like, even my parents had a good feeling about it. So that's kind of, like, what sold it for me. It was like, all right, I'm going to go on my visit. Like, and I went separate. Uh, they both asked uh, me and my best friend Nick to come for a visit. Then then we talked about, hey, we should go separate weekends to get our own feel, our own vibe, you know? So I went homecoming weekend. He went the weekend after me, which was like Halloween weekend or something like that. I'm not going to say much about it, but it was an unreal time. Great time. Great time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, so then it was just like, I was flying in on the plane, you know, like, I was like, oh, man, I'm in the middle of nowhere. It's like Grand Junction, Colorado. Like, what is this? Then I found out, like, these two cool World Series is out there great like great community great baseball community i'm like this is awesome then like the visit was like i thought the program was like really family-oriented like skip my ex just like put me up with his family uh like at the football game all day got to meet them just to find out they're at every practice and do it anything in the world for you great relationship with them it's just like, man, this is like family based. I feel like I'm at home right now. So I was like, I was kind of over the whole recruiting process at this point. I was like, this is where I want to go. There's like, there's no point in looking anywhere else. Like, this is where I want to be. So that was kind of just kind of sold it for me, you know, just like the family atmosphere. Yeah, that's that's just that's just so important. I think being comfortable. Being, um, you know, happy in your situation. It sounds like that was was your biggest priority. Getting there in the package deal too. I love that story. <laughs> Classic package yeah. deal. Um, you know, but you get to Colorado Mesa. You, you start getting to, to play some baseball. Talk about the JUCO experience for you a little bit more. We hear so much about it in the game of baseball and all sports. You know, everybody's seen the last chance use and, and stuff like that. What's that whole process like of playing JUCO JUCO baseball versus you know a Power Five or, or somewhere Division One? I have nothing against JUCOs. I think it's a great opportunity, like, for guys who are late bloomers, like, kind of like myself, I guess, in high school. Like, and and I feel like it's a great opportunity to grow as a, like, as a young man and grow as a, as a baseball player now because they work hard out of those programs. Like, oh, yeah. they have less regulations and rules, I guess. Uh, they, they work you hard, man, man. I saw that from, like, being in high school, like, seeing practice across the street. I'm like, man, these guys were out there before us, and they're still not done? Like, oh, my God. Yeah, and, yeah, and I, I just think it's a great place for people to go and grow. Um, then, I guess, like, opportunity, like, draft-wise and stuff, get out a little bit sooner. Um, if you have some really great talent and you just didn't get picked where you wanted to get picked out of high school, you know? And just gives you a whole year, maybe two, just to get bigger, stronger, faster, you know, and uh, just give your body that time to mature, which is something I, like, could have done and something I wasn't against, you know. So, yeah, I think Juco is a great route. I think it could help a lot of guys. 
but is it the right fit for everyone? Not really. But it's going to be a great fit for some people and get you on that correct path and get you on that right path for you. I think so. You know, one thing on the uh, JUCO level there, and I think you kind of touched on this a little bit, you know, I feel like that's definitely something that you have to have the right mindset going in. You know, like, I feel like there are definitely some guys who could go to JUCO and maybe be a little bit down on themselves. But I, I like the way you put it, where, you know, I feel like it's more the late bloomers, the guys who are recognized a little bit late, that type of deal. You know, th- there's nothing wrong with that. You can go to JUCO and go on and have a very successful career and go on to be a professional player in any sport, you know. And I think that's a great point that you hit on there. Is you, you have to have the right mindset and the right outlook going into that. And it definitely sounds like that you did. Yeah, especially, like, I mean, I, I've met some great, like, great guys, like, who wanted to do and stuff, and their mindset's just different. The way they go about their business, their work ethic, it's just different. You know, it's just, like, dudes ready to, like, hit the weight room at 6 a.m., then, like, you know that that's definitely one thing I, I i always think of with juco guys is you know you're you're probably going to have guys that might have a little bit better of a work ethic because they might have the chip on their shoulder or whatever it might be not these like super highly touted and recruited guys who you know were drafted high out of high school or whatever or you know, or like if you look at like football or whatever other sport, these big five-star recruits where, you know, the JUCO guys know about the work ethic and that kind of thing. But in the long run, that pays off because then when you do hit the professional levels, you already know what it's like to have to bust your butt and work hard and that sort of thing. And I definitely think that's something that could pay off. Yeah, absolutely. Work ethic's everything. Like, if you don't have a strong foundation and a strong work ethic, you're not going to go anywhere in baseball or in life, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, just that just goes for everything, and I feel like they built that there. Whether if you like it or not, like if you want to play and you want to be a part of a program, I feel like they build that there. So and I think that goes for every school. Like if you're not willing to work, if you're not really putting the extra work, like extra time in the classroom, like realistically you're not going to play anywhere. Like you're going to have too much stress on you. Like if you don't work hard in the classroom, you're going to have extra stress on you while you're at practice and stuff like that. So it just goes for everything. If you don't go you know, 100% at everything, whether it's baseball, school, like your nutrition, like stuff like that, like it's just going to fall off. Man. Yeah, definitely. I think that adjustment is so hard for, for some kids, making that adjustment from high school to college, especially when you're, when you're balancing it with athletics, you know, having to play a sport. Um, well, you know, making a pretty big ad- academic adjustment as well. You know, the JUCOs, like you're talking about, they become factories for players, um, you know, moving on to the next level. It's just, it's an alternative way to do it for some guys. It's it's a perfect fit for some guys. For you personally, take us through your four years and, and kind of how you saw yourself grow, mature as a player, and kind of how things went from freshman year on. Right. Yeah, I was there, I was only there three years, you know, but it was kind of, a, it was a very, very weird three years. Yeah. So freshman year, I get there, um, didn't, like, have any expectations, like, realized the guy, like, came into a place, technically, um, Austin Kaiser was the national player of the year in Division Two. so, I'm getting there, I'm like, so I gotta go play right field, and live up to that guy's expectations, and like, it was his expectations, that guy, and it's actually, when I realized that I wasn't gonna be that guy, is when, (laughs) 
I kind of settled into my role and stuff like that. So I came in freshman year, had a great fall, um, realized like, okay, college is it spit up on me a little bit quicker, it's a little bit faster, but it's nothing I can handle, you know? So kinda I kinda found the biggest baddest dude like in our organization and I kinda just I was like, Hey, let me work out with you, let me train with you, let me hit with you or whatever it is. His name is Austin Wallingford. And I was like, I wanna like best hitter on the team, hardest worker in the room. I was like, I wanna be that guy. So I kind of like, I kind of bugged him, honestly. Like, he didn't really like me in the beginning. Like, he thought I was just, like, kind of annoying, like, a little freshman, you know? Yeah. So, freshman being a freshman, just, like, I watched everything he did, like, try to push myself to, like, beat him in everything. And, like, it ultimately made me a better player. And ultimately, like, got me in a starting lineup. So, then, I didn't realize how it got in the winter um, in Colorado. So, like, coming back, like, um, in January for practice, like, right our season started, I was like, it's freaking cold, man. How am I going to be out here and hit? Like, how? <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, my God. Like, my hands hurt so bad. Then, like, just trying to prepare through that. Then, like, then just getting out to my, like, Freshman year, like first ABs, we opened up in San Marcos. And I was like, oh, thank God, West Coast, San Diego. Love it. Love it out there. So then, uh, first, uh, first game starts, I go 0 for 2 with a hit by pitch. And that was just like an expedition game. And didn't really expect much. Then I, I get in against, uh, what was it? Uh, UCSD. And uh, I don't know if you remember the pitcher that came out of there. He was like a third rounder, Donatello or something like that for the D-backs. I, I do remember them having some. I can think of his name, but like I remember the, the school being like highlighted when he got drafted. You know what I mean? Yeah, so he's like he's the opening starter for UCSD. Like my first real collegiate game. And he punches me out like three times. Yeah. And I got humbled real quick. Yeah. And after that, I was just like, okay, I got benched the next game. We ended up like winning both games while we were there, thank God. And like, finally got comfortable the next weekend at Dixie State. Got my first hit out of the way, got my first collegiate hit out of the way. And I was just like, okay, we're good. Then everything just started coming along. And ended up hitting like 380 with five my freshman year with like 45, 50 ribbies. So solid, solid freshman year, you know? Yeah. Like, then sophomore year rolls around, go through the same thing, like a little more comfortable now, I'm kind of solidified myself um, as a starter. So I come in like a little less pressure, not being a freshman on campus, kind of, like, knew my way around the team, knew, like, knew the way my coaches like things done, knew their expectations, uh, knew their expectations, knew the standard, you know? So, then, like, 10 games in, I get hit by a pitch, and I break my hand. Oh, wow. Yeah. Fun team. That's the kicker. 
never bunt. Exactly. Listen, I was going to say that I am a firm believer in never bunt. That just feeds into it further. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up like I ended up losing like my whole sophomore year to a hand injury. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. No. I yeah, I, I didn't realize that. Wow. Man. Yeah. So ten games in, I get an extra year of eligibility, and like coming, I go out to campus that summer to play once I'm healthy, and I end up like running that Kansas collegiate league yeah. uh, while I was out there. Then um, I hit like four something with like an OPS over a thousand. Wow. Jeez. Yeah, it was just like a crazy, <laughs> crazy year. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. Then I kind of like moving into like the next stages. That's when like I got, got uh, acknowledged or like, talked to by some pro scouts at the NBC World Series, which was a super cool experience. Like, they had that uh, that old MLB roster team. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, like, Roger Clemens and, like, Josh Becky and Chipper Jones were all out there. Oh, man. I didn't, I didn't get to play against them, but I got to, like, watch them play. I was like, that's just, like, those are all the famers. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's unbelievable. That's insane, man. Wow. Yeah, unreal experience. Then I got, I got approached by a uh, Red Sox scout. Um, didn't tell us the part of the time. It was Red Sox pretty much. I think that was about it. Like, coming out of the NBC World Series, they had, like, a pro day that I went to. Like, nothing, like, crazy, you know? Like, still rehabbing my hand. And junior year rolls around. No expectations of getting drafted whatsoever. Because obviously, like, just Division Two guy uh, has only played his freshman year. Like, has only played, like, 40, 50 games, whatever it was, in my college career. So I was, like, no expectation whatsoever going into my junior year. So no hype, no nothing. Yeah. Just kind of guy flying under the radar. So then it wasn't until after, like, my crazy junior year, like halfway through it, I should. I was playing at point. Or I was playing at JC State. Opened up there, and there was like, pretty sure, like twenty-five of the thirty teams were there, wow. and I went off. Yeah, I was still pitching too. Like I was a two-way guy in college. Dang, that's crazy. So, that's. <clears throat> what was the rehab like, though, from that hand injury? Like, how did you know? How did you go from from that day after the bunt? Um, everything else, you know, how did you turn it around so fast and figure out a way to just dominate in Kansas? Honestly, just, like, kind of just realized, like, where I was. I didn't try to rush back from it. I was like, okay, this year's a wash. Just take my time, get back, and not rush anything because I don't want anything else to go wrong, you know? Yeah. It's just, like, I had to slow down and, like, okay, I'm not going to play Rehab is my playing time. That's when I need to take my day serious. Can't lift or anything. So I was like, all right, this is like all I need to do. And so when you put in like your whole work ethic around your rehab and stuff, it it helped. So yeah, I, that's all I had. So that's all I needed to do. I needed to 
go to PT and I needed to go to class. Didn't have to worry about traveling, didn't have to worry about making travel, like roster, all that stuff. So it kind of slowed down. It sucked. Yeah, I was brutal. I was so bored. Yeah. But, but I ended up getting through it. And it was just, that's what I had to do from beginning of practice, like when they started practice and when they ended practice, I, I was rehabbing. I was either icing, I was doing strengthening. I guess probably it was really cool, like sand stuff. Or like it's called moon sand. I got to like poke it all the time. <laughs> so I was just like, like strengthen it and like play with it. Massage my hand a little bit. It was just it was fun. Yeah. The little thing, yeah. Oh, that's a little thing. Yeah, definitely, man. And, you know, I think that's that builds so much character too. The little things like that. You know, having to sit there and watch your teammates practice everything else, having to sit there and rehab, battle back from an injury. That can be a motivator for a lot of guys. Obviously, it uh it motivated you and and got you prepared for the summer into that next season. So talk about that season a little bit more. You know, you played that tournament, went crazy. When did you start to realize, I might be able to do this professionally? I, I think I could get drafted. I think I could go on and play baseball in the pros. It wasn't until, like, that pro day at the NBC where, like, I was playing with a lot of older college guys who were getting booked, stuff like that. I was like, all right, I'm hitting the ball as far as them. My arm's just as good as theirs. Um... Like pretty decent outfielder, like routes were good, everything. I started like comparing myself to a few guys, but like I was like, they're getting looks right now. Why can't I get looks? So it's kind of like just kind of like let that motivate me. Like, okay, I can do this. I'm gonna just bear down, stay true to my work ethic, stay true to everything, and like kept in contact with that Red Sox scout for a while. And he was like, hey, I'll be down at Dixie. I was like, okay, sweet. Like, kind of nerve-wracking. Like, yeah. okay, I have a scout there. And next thing you know, like, I'm having meetings, like, with uh, guys, and they're doing all the physical assessments and stuff. Like, after our first opening weekend down in Dixie State, and they're doing the measurements on my arm and making me fill out these packets. Oh, man, the, the scout scouting packets are crazy they're so long it takes like an hour and a half to do normal. oh my goodness yeah and Jeez. they sit you down they do like an eye test and like all this stuff and they're like I was like what is all this for and it was my first time like diving into the analytical side of baseball you know yeah so I was like why are you guys doing this and that's when I could see like the pro perspective of it I was like and they're doing all this stuff on me I was like I can do this. Like, like this, this is a possibility. This is a, like, this is real. This is happening right now. Mm. And, yeah, it was, like, it wasn't until that week I did to stay my junior year to where I was like, okay, this is a real possibility. Yeah, that's got to be the craziest feeling, man. I can't imagine. You know, Marty and I played baseball uh, back, you know, in our earlier days. Never got to get to that level. Yeah, Marty's, you know, Marty's got a pretty wicked slider. If you got anybody in the organization, you can reach out to. I think he, uh, you know, he's looking for a tryout. Hey, listen, you, you put, you put a wiffle ball in my hand. You could be in trouble. I'm just saying. Like gravity ball. Yes, yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, let's get the gravity ball. Hey, listen, when, when, when you have a ten-year-old son and all his friends at your house, you learn to throw. Every now and again, you got to put the kids in line. So, 
I mean, that's like the wild start of those football games that you used to have in the backyard. Oh, man. Like, oh, dude, they're, 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 they're the absolute they're best. The best. Right? Oh. Uh, man. That's like going back to the club all day. Like, like, you just got done playing the game, then we're more excited to go play wiffle ball in between our games. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's just as much fun to just go out and do that because you know, like, nothing matters and you're just having fun. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, no scoreboard, no nothing. Yeah, exactly. Just go out there and throw some balls and swing the bat and whatever happens, happens. Exactly. Yeah. The only way to get out is you get that guy with the ball. See? It don't care. <laughs> it does. It does. I agree. Oh, no doubt. No doubt about it. It's. I mean, there's so many different ways to have fun. I think at that, at that age, too, when you're playing club ball or whatever else, just the way you bond with your teammates is such a cool deal. Um, you know, up through the ages as well. You you started to do these camps. You started to really realize, you know, through scouts, whatever else, you know, hey, this is realistic. I'm going to be able to do this. But talk about that moment, man, when you get the call. What is that like to to officially, you know, have somebody tell you, hey, we want you on our club. We want you a part of this organization. Yeah, so I'll, I'll kind of like, I'll tell the whole story. Like, I, I wake up on that, on day two of the draft, you know, so I had just like I talked to my agent at the time, and like we were talking. I wasn't expecting to go to like third day or something like that a few days before the draft, right? And he like he like paused on the phone with me, and he's just like, "Why? Like, there's a legitimate chance that you go day two. And I paused on the phone, I was like. Quit messing with me, man. Like, <laughs> like I'm just like a Division two player, and like he's not a He's just like you realize you're like the best Division two college football like player in the country right now. And I was like, yeah, it's Division two. So like I don't know. I was like insecure about it, I guess. But then I wake up to a text on day two. Uh, um, the Pirate Scout, Derek Van Dusen. Shout out to Derek. Love that guy. Yeah. Um, then uh, he texts me. He's like, hey, have you heard from anyone? I was like, nope, just you. And they usually say, first guy you hear from, the first team that you get to come is the team that's going to pick you, right? So it's like pretty stressful, like, like waking up your day, you're just making sure your phone's charged. I got I got spare battery, like with the phone cord, like with me at all times. And so, like my best friend Nick and his family were like, "Hey, we're gonna throw a little draft party. If you get picked, there, like awesome, we'll celebrate. If you don't get picked, no big deal. We'll do it again tomorrow." <laughs> <laughs> so, like we're all getting settled, like getting over there. I have like a group full of my best friend, girlfriend, there, mom, dad. It's like the closest family and friends, you know? Yeah. So, like, getting calls, like, six round pops around, I get a call. Uh, and they offered me, like, way under slot for the six round. And I was like, I was like, ah, yeah, not, not really feeling that. <laughs> I, like, slot in six rounds, like, pretty, pretty nice. And they offered me way under it. And I was like, and I was like, no, I'm not going to take and I just want slot for whatever route I go in. And they're like, okay. And, like, yeah. and I was the Brewers. I was the Brewers in the sticks. And I was like, yeah, it's not going to work. And like seventh round comes around. I get a call from Red Sox. They're like, hey, this is uh, this is your pick. 
and we're taking you. So it rolls around. Nothing. They don't call my name. I'm like, what? He calls me back. He's like, there's a guy on the board. We had to take him at that time, at that spot. I was like, oh, that hurts. All right, whatever. Um, and the ground rolls around. Finally, get to the bottom of the eight. And they were like, hey, uh, you're not this pit, but we want to take you in the ninth. Would this, this, and this work for you? I said, yes. Take me. Boston calls me. They said they're going to take me then. Don't take me again. Jeez. Then, yeah, so my, I'm a world of emotions right now. Yeah, man. Wow. And, like, my family's just like, what's going on? Like, I'm like I, I don't know what's going on. Just like, I don't know. Are they worried about my hand? Like, are they worried about something? I'm like, they can't be worried about my hand. I just played the whole season. Like, they can't be worried about anything. And uh, Boston calls me. Got here, taking the ninth. Uh, then Booster Pirates had to take before them. Pirates took me. Yeah. What was but that? Like, so, I like literally told you twice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. Yes, so, like, it is. Because okay. I want to school, like, like, I'm all in on this. Then the connection with the Pirates was, like, my head coach, um, yeah, Chris Hanks, he would go to, like, the Pittsburgh Pirates coaching think tanks down at Pirate City, down in Brainton, where all the coaches go down there, and they went through all of their training and everything like that. So it kind of made it, like, cool that I got picked by them. But going back to, like, draft day. I was sitting on the couch, like, I mean, I, I saw the video of everyone. And it was like, draft ID, yada, 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 address, glide, Colorado Mesa. And it's just everyone blowing up around me. Like, best friends just jumping up, like, I just won the World Series, you know? Yeah. And so it was just an unreal feeling, like, sitting next to my mom, then sitting next to my dad, sitting next to my girlfriend. And it was just like, everyone just, oh, man, it just blew up. It was like fireworks, you know? Just crazy moment, yeah. crazy, crazy moment. Just in tears, just can't believe it happened. Man. So then I'm thankful for the organization I was picked to because I think it fits my mindset and fits who I am as a person. So I've been blessed to be part of the private organization. Yeah, definitely, man. And, you know, it's uh, it, it's it's great to have you. It's It's exciting. I think for Pirates fans everywhere to, to hear your name and hear about the success you've had in the minor leagues. But what was the first reaction to hearing that you've been taken by the Pirates? You know, with everything, with, with the past 20 years, I could see where it might be a little bit of a, oh, you know, okay, maybe. Um, but what was that first take when Pittsburgh called your name? Uh, I, was, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to Pittsburgh. Like, it's just like, uh, it's like oh, man. Like, I was just thinking about all the star players that they've had, you know? Like, I thought about Bill Madlock, like, automatically off the bat. I was like, oh, man, that's, like, my hitting coaches, like, past team, like, batting titles, World Series, like, crazy, you know? So, like, mm-hmm. that's kind of what was, like, going through my head. I was like, I get to follow in the footsteps of these great players. Like, at the time, it was Andrew McCutcheon, and like, Eric Cole was there. Like, oh, just crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. So, it's just awesome. Like, I was just thinking about all the great players that have come through, like, the Pirates organization and stuff, and have put on that uniform. It was just like, that. just like, I get to be one of those guys. I get to, like, follow down that same path that I went through, like, through the minor leagues and stuff like that. So, 
the culture is unbelievable there too. Yeah, yeah the culture is one. <clears throat> excuse me. That's that's one thing we've heard a lot about recently with guests on the show is how just good the culture is within the pirate organization. So to continue to hear it, that's good to hear. Because I think regardless of what your organization is in sports, any line of work, if you build and cultivate a good culture, you're going to get guys who are going to work hard and going to perform well regardless. And it's just good to hear, continue to hear how good the culture is in Pittsburgh and within the pirate organization for the players. That's so true. Like, like you said, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of people who, no matter how much they love their job, would trade away in a heartbeat to be able to play baseball for a living. And then that's one thing that, like, I think a lot of professional players, no matter the sport, just kind of lose sight of sometimes is just how much other people would love to be in that position. And, you know, it's, it's just good to hear someone who, you know, is in that position. You realize that you're taking advantage of it. You're like, hey, you know what? This is pretty freaking awesome, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's it's been an unreal like unreal experience and that's why this year sucks so bad. So I didn't I didn't get to experience any of that stuff. So Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, you know, you, you talk about your journey and everything else. I, I can't imagine how relieving it is to to get that call and realize, you know, I, I do get to do this for money. I, I really get to make a living in this game. You celebrate that day, um, you know, obviously probably a whole lot after you get drafted, you move forward and get to the pros. What was it like that first year adjusting and, and getting into the organization? So, like, showing up to, like, sign a contract down in Pittsburgh, like, it was, like, cool meeting everyone, stuff like that. Uh, it was cool signing with uh, Calvin Mitchell. So, and Cal, like, we, we met each other at a Dodgers workout. And when both of us like saw each other at the hotel, we were like, "Hey, we played catch at the time." <laughs> <laughs> it was like, "So hey, I know you." He called me tattoo guy because I had my full sleeve and everything. Like yeah. That. And uh, uh, just like first year was like insane, like being able to travel to Pittsburgh for the first time, like going through that tunnel, then it just opens up to the city. Yeah. Like breathtaking, you know? You're like, "What?" Yeah, I, I feel like, like you. Like you, you 
you very quickly learn why why people say it's the best view in baseball when you come walking up out of the dugout and you get the skyline of the city and all that out of PNC Park. It's yeah. it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm a little biased, but I, I've heard a lot of other people say it too that PNC Park is the best park. Absolutely. I may also be a little biased as someone who has had season tickets up behind home plate for 10 years now, but it's definitely a pretty, especially at nighttime, once the sun's down, you get the, get the skyline lit up and everything. And especially when the Pirates are playing well and that ballpark's packed, man, it, it's tough to beat. Let me tell you, it's it's hard oh, to beat. Yeah. It's like, what beats it? I hope I, I hope I get to experience that one day. I'll yeah, no, it, dude, it's... it's I've experienced a lot of pretty awesome sports atmospheres. You know, I'm, I'm people who listen to the podcast regularly know I'm a big Penn State guy. I've been to Beaver Stadium more times than I can count in my life. But as awesome as Beaver Stadium can be, you know, PNC Park, full pack, that skyline, man, it's it, it's hard to beat. It's really hard to beat. Yeah, it's and you know I think just getting to experience that too, like you're saying, is is such an unbelievable thing. Talk about your journey through the minors, how you've you know grown and and moved up through the organization, how that's gotten to where you are now. Yeah, it's, uh, like first year in Morristown was was a trip. So <laughs> like, I was blessed to have the manager that I had, uh, Brian Esposito. Esposito was a, a man who has like shaped me into the pro baseball player that I am, um, he got me ready for everything that this game was going to throw at me that first year. It made instructional league my first year a whole lot easier having him as a manager. Um, I'm super thankful to him. Man, he made us go out there every single day during the week and work our ass off every single day. And, like, first year was, like, it was nothing I thought. It, I thought pro baseball was going to be a little more laid back a little more like, hey, just go out and play, like, and we'll work on, like, hitting stuff, you know? No, this, like, that's the work desk at, at every aspect of the game, whether it was, like, from decision-making, like, mentally, um, like, stealing bags, hitting, like, DP, if we needed help in the curveballs, he was out there, like, on the curveball machine, just, like, making us make investments on the fly, you know? Yeah. So, it was just, like, I was blessed to have him as first-year manager, and, like he changed me into a different caliber of a baseball player, and I thank him for that. And to like know that I could possibly be playing for him in the future, like whether it's an indie or maybe someday um, in the big league level, because I know that's something we both aspire, uh, or where we both aspire to be in the big league. So, like, um, yeah, first year was unbelievable with him. Uh, second year in Bradenton uh, was I lost like through my like college season and first football season I lost a bunch of weight I was down like 185 pounds wow. and like so first off season like uh, I like was started lifting a ton again and I put on like 30 pounds of straight like muscle which was a horrible move because I didn't move. I body wasn't feeling it. Like, cardio wasn't where it was at going in the high end. Like, brain tan that Florida State League is no joke. Interesting, yeah. That's interesting. Sorry, you go ahead. Yeah, it definitely was a tough experience going to high end. Like, the competition level jumped a whole lot. Like, every guy I saw every night was 
interesting to hear about the workload too because you know coming from a juco guy i feel like that's you hear some of the, the most difficult work you can do preparing for a sport and everything and you know i think you do get that that image of the pros um to an extent that it is just you know going out working on hitting a little bit here or there but you're really just playing i think that's a testament to how easy and you know how natural so many players are at making the game look um but yeah you know, as you've developed and grown along, what's been the most exciting thing um, about being in the organization? You know, what are some of your most fond memories growing and, and getting through the minors? Uh, probably, like, um, hmm. I would say, like, going back and, like, honestly, in some way, like, the off-season camps and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. coming back to talk to different coaches, different people, like, to see what you've been working on, to see, like, what they've been working on to see, like, if that stuff works for you. It's like seeing all the different work ethics or the different, like, drills and stuff like that that help get hitters or get get you as an outfielder, like, more prepared for a season, you know? Because, like, you want to learn different stuff. You want to see different, different ways to work about things. So seeing, like, meeting so many different high-level baseball players, like, and seeing the stuff that they work on, you know, that stuff can help improve your game too. So it's been cool, like being able to pick a lot of big leaguers' brains or old uh, big league players, like old coaches, like or coaches now, old big leaguers who have been around the game, and being there to discuss that with the big leagues is like, and just kind of picking their like what a big league clubhouse is like, or like what certain drills like Hall of Famers would do. Like, hey, what did you see this guy do? What did you see this guy do? What was this guy's mindset? And like being able to figure out all that stuff was is like some of the coolest things that I'd experienced. Yeah, no, one thing you mentioned on there, Bly, is with you know when you're playing for Brian Esposito, low A, and he, he's a guy we we've heard a bunch about from guys we've talked to in the podcast. Just speaks so highly of him, and now that he's at the AAA level you know, managing for the Pirates. Like, he definitely seems like a uh, a coach with a very bright future ahead of him. And it's just, I think it, what you said tonight and what other guys have said just kind of goes to reaffirm what you said earlier about this culture that the Pirates are building in their organization, hiring guys like Espo, where how just great of a coach he is – like, I think people kind of look that thing where, you know, you're going to work under this guy who he's not just a great coach from a baseball standpoint, but kind of from the mental and the life standpoint and really puts you on a path for success. And like, he wants nothing but the best for every guy who plays for him, you know? So, 
and he's gonna, but he's just not gonna like give you the easy way out. He's gonna make you work for it. He's gonna make you understand what you have to do and how hard you have to work to get to where you want to be. But he's lived it too. He's like he's lived it. So exactly, he has a, he has a lot of MLB experiences and MLB catcher. You know, like he's the kind of guy you could bounce a lot of questions off of. I feel of. Feel like he sees me and good get good responses because been there done that kind of deal. Yeah, and he's a catcher too. Like they see the game from a whole different perspective, and they um, whether it's from calling a game or just learning how pitchers want to attack guys and how that plays a role. Um, how this like how this door leads into that door, yada yada. But. I always tell people there's a reason the most most major league managers are former catchers for a reason, you know, because like you said, you, you get that viewpoint back there that you don't get from anywhere else on the field. And also as the as the resident member of the podcast who used to formerly live in Altoona for four years, I, I feel the urge, I must ask, when you were with Double A during the 2019 season, and I I was the first person I did see you play quite a bit because my, my in-laws at the time had season tickets for the curve, so I was there a good bit. What uh, what were your some of your favorite high points and things of that nature from your year spent with playing with Altoona? Oh, man, like, I don't even have to go far. Like, I hit the walk-up at our home opener in front of a ton of people. Yeah, I figured that would be high on the list because we were, we were at that game. Gosh, that place exploded. <laughs> like, no one left their seats. Like, no one left in the seventh or anything like that. Like, like everyone stayed. And it was such an unreal atmosphere. And some of, uh, like, still the other walk-ups that other people hit, like, Hunter Owen had a walk-up and... Robbie Glendening had to walk off. There's a video that you just see me just sprinting out on the field because I'm so hyped because I was on deck and he hit it. And it was just like those walk offs were unbelievable. So much fun. The fan base is great. The people in Kurt PA are some of the best fans I've ever been around. Some of the great, some of the best people ever, too. So it's like a death, death play was a high point. Then a lot of the shutouts we had, we had a few shutouts at home. Like we set a like new league record for shutouts that year, and like some of those games were intense, like close games. So some of the other ones. No, how you said about the fans in Altoona. I think one thing I've always thought's really cool about Altoona is being the Double A affiliate of the Pirates. Altoona is only about ninety minutes, two hours or so from Pittsburgh. So probably you know ninety ninety five percent of percent of those people are lifelong pirate fans, which you don't always get with the minor league affiliates, which I think makes it really cool because, you know, a lot of those fans are so much more invested into you guys as a result because, like, okay, I'm watching them here, but, you know, a year or two down the road, I'm also going to watch them in Pittsburgh on my favorite MLB club. So I think that's part of the reason why the Curve have such a great fan base is because a lot of those people are also pirate fans so, you know, like I said, you just you, you want to see you guys succeed even more because if you're successful at double A, that's that you have to be successful when you're playing for our favorite MLB club. Absolutely. I can agree with you more. Um, Altoona is literally Pirate Central. Like, yeah, no, it really is. Knows who everyone is. 
That's when we had, like, a big rehab guy coming in to rehab with us. Like, we had Cervelli there one game, and oh, my God. It was a packed house. No, no, I remember there there would be games where, because like I said, my in-laws have season tickets for the curve, and there would be games where Cervelli or whoever it was is rehabbing at the curve, and if people offer them, like, 50 bucks for their tickets, and I'm like, dude, it's like a minor league baseball game. Like, you could probably get them offline for, like, 10 bucks. But it just kind of goes to show the fan base and how passionate they can be that they want to see their players play and see their players be successful, you know. Demar, the GM there, does a great job of uh, getting us out into the community as well. No, with, yeah, uh, no he definitely does, yeah. yeah. So, like, being able to be a part of that, like, uh, the, the volunteer work and stuff like that, Dan Curve and Curve like, was – like, so much fun, and it made it easier from when we did see the fans of the game. Like, we knew them from somewhere, you know? So they invested time into them as much, like, and they invested so much more into us, which we can't be more thankful for. So, like, I think, yeah, DMAR does a great job with getting us out into the community and making that connection between us and the fans, you know? Absolutely, dude. Yeah, and I, I think that you know goes back into that conversation just about the culture of of the fan base overall throughout the organization and the miners in Altoona just the same as in Pittsburgh. One day you hope to play in Pittsburgh. We hope to see you there as well. What's it going to take? What are you working on right now? The hardest to to continue to try to mold your game and, and get to the highest level. Just uh, I'm looking forward. I'm actually heading off to Australia here to play winter ball. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, in a, in a few days, actually, I leave, like, I don't know, in the next week, hopefully. So, childhood flights and all that stuff, but, yeah, I'm heading to... Yeah, safe travels. I'll show you the play for the bandits out there, so, like, that's going to be, like, my time to refocus, get some ABs and uh, get my arm back to where I want it to be, um, and prepare me to go into spring training, uh, like, <clears throat> ready to go, like, to... Like start making an impact on the get-go, you know? So, and get my body back in that baseball shape because I haven't played since February. So, just kind of get some game reps, get some high-quality reps, you know, before I go into spring training and hopefully make an impact this next year. Yeah. This year has just been so messed up, man. You know it's just the same as everybody else. Oh, it's brutal. It, it, it's crazy. What's it been like for you? How have you, have you battled and, and, you know, found a way to keep yourself entertained and, and you know, fluent in the game of baseball? Yeah, so just uh, kind of split it up in different spots. So uh, my life's been kind of crazy. Like, stayed in uh, Arizona with uh, my girlfriend's family, which is a baseball community down there in Arizona. So I was sitting down there with uh, – pretty much the whole time at a place called Hit Factory where a lot of pro guys come in, they get to the work band and they get out of there. And like, weirdly, like got a nice little full-time job, you know, was making money and hitting on the side, literally full, full days. Wow. So like, it's been, it's been weird, but also like, it made me appreciate the game so much more just with it being taken away from you by something you literally can't control that no one can control. Um, so it's, it's been humbling, but also like very frustrating because like wanted to be at the alternate side, wanted to uh, have the opportunity this year, but unfortunately it just didn't come. Like it's whatever. So I just need to work harder and put my head down and just work, you know, just work from the shadows and 
just kind of have that D2 mentality, you know. So just keep working and just got to do extra to get to where I have gotten. And I need to keep that mentality and keep going. Definitely, man. That's awesome to hear. D2 mentality. I love it. It's it's uh, yeah. definitely yeah. a... Yeah, uh, you know, a different mentality, a hungry mentality, an aggressive one. We've gotten to know you a lot tonight about, you know, yourself personally and how you are as a baseball player. But what's one thing you want Pirates fans to know about you that, you know, maybe isn't out there? It's not on the surface. Mm. Let's see. It's a curveball. I'm sorry. This one, uh, we didn't get this one in the script here. I know. This one caught me off guard. We're trying to Come on now. These guys blindside me here. <laughs> so we, uh, we, we like keep you on your toes. I just I don't know. I just want I just want them to know that I'm completely invested into like this organization, and I love this organization. And um, I've met some great people, great fans, and uh, thank all the fans out there for all the support and all the love, all that stuff. And yeah, just looking forward to what's to come. So, and I hope I continue to get that support and love. So, shout out to everyone who's been there for me and has supported me throughout the, throughout the, the way. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, for sure, man. The support's going to keep coming. Pirates Nation is uh, is ready to see you make the big league club. Hopefully it's coming here soon. Bly, thank you so much for coming on with us tonight, man. It's been awesome talking to you. Oh, thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you much, man. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Guys, like I mentioned, we have a double feature this week. We have Mike McHenry coming back on the pod. We'll have that out later on in the week. We got all kinds of articles out right now. Go check it out. Hit up the social media, at Rum Buncher on Twitter. You can find our articles there. You can find them on fansided.com as well. We have an app. Download the app. Check out all our content there. As far as the podcast goes, as always, you can find us on Apple Music, fansided.com, omni.com, and our social media as well. Until next time, everybody, happy Thanksgiving. Have a great week. Let's go Bucks. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.